It's good to see you all. We are continuing a series <clears throat> we've been working on for several weeks now on the road to the cross that Jesus took and all the things that he did along the way. And we've come to the point where he's about to enter Jerusalem. <clears throat> Over 500 years before Christ, the prophet Zechariah made a prophecy. And this is what he said. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. And his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river of the ends and from the river to the ends of the earth. The prophet here tells of a great king that was coming to Jerusalem and who was bringing salvation with him. But this wasn't going to be an ordinary king like they're used to because this king was going to be humble. He was going to be lowly. And he wasn't going to be riding in on a great steed or a chariot like you would expect a king to ride in on. He would be riding in on a donkey, actually a young foal of a donkey, something a servant might sit on. And this mighty yet lowly king was going to bring, bring peace to all people. And he would reign as sovereign king, not just of the Jews, but throughout the whole world. What a beautiful picture this is. And the Jews knew this prophecy well. And they were anxiously waiting for this day to come. Well, in Luke 19, <clears throat> Luke 19, on the way to the cross, Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem one last time. And he comes to Bethany, which is the city where he raised Lazarus from the dead. And it's about a whole day's walk away from Jerusalem, about a day's walk from Jerusalem. And he tells his two, two of his disciples, he tells them to go into this city next to them. This is, actually, it's a little village next to them. And there you'll find a young donkey, a colt, tied up. And I want you to untie this colt and bring it here and bring it back here to me. And so the two disciples go into the village and when they enter the village they see immediately this, this, this young donkey tied by a door. And so they go up to it and they start to untie it. And there's these men standing, standing nearby and one of them shouts, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you untying the donkey? And they turn and they say, the Lord has need of him. 
Because that's what Jesus told him to say. And immediately they said, okay, <laughs> carry on. I imagine I would think, man, that was easy. And so they come back with the donkey and the disciples put their, take off their outer garments and they lay it on top of the donkey's back. And they put Jesus on this donkey and they set off toward Jerusalem. And word spread quickly what was happening. And the people around there who had seen him do so many miracles start coming out of their houses and they run to the road to see. And what they saw was this lowly man coming. This lowly man who had healed their sick, who had given sight to their blind, who had raised the dead and spoke with the authority of God. Coming on a colt, a foal of a donkey, into Jerusalem. And the people took off their outer garments and they laid them on the road in front of Jesus' donkey as he passed. They spread them out. They took palm leaves and they spread them out on the road. And those who went before him and those who went behind him shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When the whole multitude began to praise God for all the miracles they had seen. And then some of the Pharisees cried out to him from the crowd, Teacher! Rebuke your disciples. And Jesus replied, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And the Pharisees started talking among themselves. You see, you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. And the cross became much closer that day because the Pharisees saw their power slipping away as people were turning to Jesus. But the people continued to cry out, praising him, shouting, the King of Israel, as he passed. But the people expected him to be King of Jerusalem on earth. That's what they expected. But God had a far, far better plan for his people. An eternal, everlasting kingdom where we would never die, where there'd be no sickness forever. That's what God had planned because that's the way God works. He doesn't just fill your cup he overflows it. We need to raise our expectations when it comes to God. Don't be discouraged 
if you don't get exactly what you want in this life. God has something far, far better planned for you. Jesus did come as king to bring peace. But it wasn't the kind that the people were expecting. So all those cheering, many of those cheering him there, would very quickly turn on him and shout for his death instead. As Jesus continued, he came He came and he approached this great city of Jerusalem. And, and there sitting on the donkey, looking out, he could see the whole city. And Jesus began to weep. As he sat there looking, tears began to flow down his face as he saw what was coming to Jerusalem. He saw the future and what was about to happen. And this is what he said while he sat there looking at the city. He said, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. In order to understand what's happening here, It's important to understand how, how important Jerusalem was to God. Jerusalem was very important to God. Jerusalem had many names in the Old Testament. It's called Zion, the city of God, the holy city, the city of truth, the city of righteousness, the city of the great king. Jerusalem was originally a city called Salem. And we read about it in the Old Testament. Salem was where Abraham came and he found that the king was the high priest, a high priest, a priest of God, long before the Levitical priesthood even existed. And so Abraham gave a tenth of everything he had to this king over Salem. And a thousand years later, King David conquered this city in Canaan and changed its name. And Jerusalem was where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, the tabernacle. And as King David was dying, he called in his son Solomon. And he said, son, I always wanted to build a house for God. In Jerusalem, a temple. But God wouldn't let me build it because I am a man of war and there's too much blood on my hands. But God said that you, Solomon, would build this temple. So build it, Solomon. 
And after David died, King Solomon built that temple, and it was magnificent. Solomon never did anything small, and it was glorious. The description of this temple is amazing if you read about it in the Old Testament. And after he built it, he dedicated it to God. And after that, God spoke to Solomon. And this is what he said. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you've made before me. And I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name on it, on there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. The city of Jerusalem and the temple were so important to God. And he cared for it and he protected it. He protected them from all the enemies. But eventually, as you know, the Israelites turned their heart away from God and looked at the idols of the world instead. And so sadly... Their prayers ceased and God, with great sadness, turned his back on Israel and removed his protection from Jerusalem. And that's when their enemies, the Babylonians, came and the empire completely wiped out Jerusalem. They flattened it to the ground. They looted the temple of all the gold and treasure and killed a lot of people. The Jews that survived were taken as prisoners back to Babylon as slaves. But 70 70 years later, uh, 40,000 people returned and rebuilt the temple at Jerusalem. But the old people who remembered were sad that it wasn't nearly as glorious as the one Solomon built. But they built it with what they had. And it was a fine temple. And then 70 years after that, Nehemiah, if you read the book of Nehemiah, it's the count of how they all went back and thousands of them went back and rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. And this is the city that Jesus is now entering, riding on the donkey. And I think it's very interesting that the first temple was rebuilt 70 years after it was destroyed. Exactly 70 years after it was destroyed. And then 70 years after that, they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. And then 70 years after Jesus was born, the Romans came and burn the city to the ground. And Jesus saw this coming. And he described it, the way he described it, was exactly the way it happened. Exactly. In A.D. 70, the Jewish people rebelled against the rule of Rome. And so during the Sabbath when the whole city of Jerusalem was filled and packed 
with people. The general Titus, who would one day become emperor, brought in legions of soldiers and they surrounded the city. And this siege was recorded in great detail by both Roman historians and Jewish historians alike, and they match what happened. They each have their political slant, but it's basically the same thing. That they surrounded the city and they cut off the food and the water going into the city. And they destroyed a lot of their food. And this siege lasted for four months. Four months. And a lot of people starved to death. And there were horrible things that happened during this time. But then finally the Romans breached the wall. And they went in and massacred the population. Josephus says over a million were killed. And all that remained were a bunch of Jews held up in the temple. And they lasted a while longer until Rome lit the city on fire and burned it to the ground. Jesus saw all of this coming as he sat on that donkey and wept. And he warned his disciples. He warned his disciples that it was coming and he told them He told, he told them, he says in Mark 13 and 2, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he told them about a sign that they would see. And he said, when you see this sign, don't go home to get your stuff. Run. Run to the hills, run to the mountains and get out because it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. And, the, and those who listened to Jesus, the ones that did what he said, were saved. Just like us. But if you remember what we read before, God had said that his name and his eyes and his heart would be in this temple in Jerusalem forever. So how can that be if it keeps getting destroyed? Well, because Jerusalem and the temple were merely shadows of things that were, were, were in heaven, spiritual things, heavenly things. And those physical shadows were passing away. Their time had come and gone. And they had no purpose anymore. In the book of Revelation, Jesus shows John things that had happened in signs. Things that were and things that were shortly to come to pass. And all of these things did come to pass. In Revelations 3 and 12, he says, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
which comes down out of heaven from my God. And at the end of Revelation, we read how he says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. You see, the physical shadow, Jerusalem, is the church. The temple is Christians, and the king is Jesus Christ. This was God's plan from the beginning. The city of Jerusalem and the temple were just shadows of what was eternal to come. The eternal city that would never be shaken and the glorious temple that would serve the great king, Jesus Christ. Jesus was entering Jerusalem as its king, but not the old city made of wood and stone, but the new Jerusalem, the church of the living God. I am king, Jesus would tell Pilate, but my kingdom is not of this world. And as Jesus rode on that donkey, people praised him as their king. And they wanted him to be king of Jerusalem. But God, God had something much better. And what he had planned, he has given to us. And it is awesome. I want you to read about it here in Hebrews. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, to, the, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. This passage has always given me chills. People, people who say they don't need the church don't know what the church is. It is the city of God. And it is an honor. What an honor to be here. Great honor. Jesus Jesus, our King, our Mediator, is here. God, the Judge of all, is watching and He's listening to what we say. And I bet you there are an innumerable host, a company of angels, praising God while we sing. Right along with us. God loves his church. How about you? Do you love his church?
Or is it a chore to come here? Is it a bother to get together with his people as his church? It should be an honor and a privilege to be in his church, to be with his people. And your temple, your body, your body is the temple of God, the Bible says. Don't defile your body. Don't defile the temple of God with sin, the things you put into it, the things that comes out of your mouth. Don't defile that temple, but glorify it. Cleanse it, purify it. You see, we need to see the spiritual truth behind these things. So we will give them the honor they deserve. This is all I have this morning. I hope it's been useful to you. I hope, I hope it teaches the text well. This is, was an amazing time. If you, need, if you need to make a change in your life today, if you need the prayers of the church, if you'd like spiritual encouragement with something that you just can't get over yourself, the church is standing with you now. Please come sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.